3: at a seven on seven football camp. Everybody's caping up for Cam. I'm not. You don't want to miss today's episode of Fearless. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Monday. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> awesome show. We're going to have Steve Kim, TJ Moe, and Jason Brown all here with me. we got some sport topics to get to today. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at Good Ranchers. Fall in love with beef, chicken, and seafood all over again by subscribing at GoodRanchers.com. Use my promo code FEARLESS to get $240 in free bacon with your order so uh, let's get to it. Let's get right to our firestarter in today's show. Cam Newton is not a leader, never has been. Talent, the greatest resource in sports, powers performance. It undermines virtually everything else, most especially leadership. Talent cuts corners. It ignores details. It limits humility. It seeks attention and credit. Talent blinds. It's like a woman with the perfect skin, large breast, and a curvy waist. Talent intoxicates the beholder and its worshipers. No one in football has ever had more talent than Cam Newton. He had Hall of Fame talent as a quarterback, a receiver, tight end, left tackle, defensive end, outside linebacker, inside linebacker, and safety. Newton will never make it to the Pro Football Hall of Fame because he chose to play the one position that requires a modicum of leadership ability. The same shortcoming will curtail his success as a football coach. Coaches have to be leaders. It's not enough to have passion for the game and an affinity for helping kids. Coaches must lead. Cam Newton cannot do that. On Sunday, while overseeing his seven on seven football team, Newton was involved in a brawl with two coaches from an opposing team and several others. Take a look for yourself. All right, so uh, based on the video footage we've seen thus far, Cam appears to be defending himself from an unprovoked attack. Social media immediately jumped to Cam's defense. I'm not going to do that. I'm not surprised two opposing coaches who previously worked with Newton attacked the former NFL star. Cam has the persona of a diva wide receiver. He loves to talk trash to the opposition, including to kids. Two years ago, a viral video captured Cam going back and forth with teenagers who were heckling him. Take a look. You ask? Your you're a free, free agent. You're a free agent. You're a free agent. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're about to be poor. I'm rich. You're a free agent. I'm rich. You're a free agent. I'm rich. He's a free agent. I can nowsecrationист your daddy? Let me talk to your dad. Let me talk to your dad. Where's your dad? You're a free Let agent. Where's your dad? You're a free agent. You're a free agent.
2: You ask. Let me talk to your dad. You ask. Where's your dad? You ask. Wait, where
3: Ah, anyone who watched the video from two years ago shouldn't be surprised that things have escalated. When a coach, even a multimillionaire coach, exudes an in your face attitude, it should come as no surprise that someone got in Cam's face. He invites it. Respect is a two way street. Cam doesn't respect the position he holds in the sports world, he never has. He wanted to reinvent the quarterback position and what leadership at that position looks like. It worked until the moment it quit working. It quit working long before Newton's talent fully diminished. At 34, he's out of the game prematurely. He's reinventing himself as a podcaster and seven on seven coach. Podcasting fits Cam's personality. He knows how to draw attention to himself. He's clueless about being a coach. Coaches don't talk trash to opponents. Coaches lead with humility and a stoic manner that resembles Tom Landry. They're unflappable. On Saturday, the day before the brawl, Cam seven-on-seven team lost to top-shelf performance in a game that the event organizer, Nehemiah Mitchell, described as heated and filled with trash talk. Two top-shelf coaches attacked Newton on Sunday. Maybe Newton was trying to share Bible verses when the coaches approached him. Or maybe Newton had climbed down in the verbal mud with the two men envious of his wealth and status. What we know for sure is Newton rejects the burden of presenting himself like a traditional leader. He's part of the new fad in coaching, a model that centers the outsized personality of a former superstar athlete. Newton is Deion Sanders' light. The same people who worship Coach Prime spent much of Sunday defending and celebrating Cam Newton. The worshipers went as far as blaming kids for not properly respecting Newton. Never mind that two other football coaches attacked Newton first. See, it's much easier to blame the kids. The real blame falls at the feet of grown men who place themselves in leadership positions while still behaving like children. Deion got away with it and turned the disaster of prime prep into being the face of college football. At this rate, Cam Newton is five years from being the named Auburn's head football coach. That's where we've gone with leadership. I wanna show you a video. This is Absat uh, number four. Shannon Sharp talking about uh, this Cam Newton, this latest Cam Newton incident. And, and I, I, I'm going to respond. Let's play the clip and then I'll respond. Cam is a better
2: man than me because the first time the first time the kids disrespected me, right. I ain't coming back. Oh, okay. I'm okay. Shot. Gonna, I, the, the fact that he continues to, to come back. Yeah, that's like, my the, point. The boy, that's why he, I say he's a better man he, than me. He continues to hold these camps. Those kids and players have, and parents and coaches as well. Y'all got to take advantage of that, man. Yeah. You got to take advantage of those situations to showcase your talent because you never know who's watching. No, you never know who's watching. It's it's man, it's 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 bad. Because I oh Joe, and I, I think I told you the story. Um Savannah State was playing Bowie State in Maryland. They were playing mm-hmm. in in the stadium. Yeah. And uh Coach Davis, obviously, I was in Baltimore at the time, and Coach Davis, who who recruited me, right, um, was still with the head coach. I think he had left and came back, but anyway, um, he asked me to come say a few words. And you know, I went and spoke to the team. Right. And I remember when I'm finishing, well, you know, I'm getting ready to leave. I said, Coach, I'm getting, you know, we're getting ready. They're getting ready to have a pregame meal. I said, Coach, I'm getting ready. You know, I'm getting ready to leave. I appreciate it, Coach. I held hugged it. And uh, me and my homeboy, Bucket, one of the dudes went up to me. I signed my autograph because I'm going to be more famous than you. Ah. It's so, okay. Now, juxtaposed. Now, that's Savannah State. That's my school. Right. I go to Clemson. Taj Boyd. I'm talking about, I think Sammy Watkins is there. Mark right? All of them guys, eyes on me. At the end, they come down there, man. Appreciate that, man. bro. that was, that was motor. Hey, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. Hey, that's awesome, man. Hey, I appreciate it telling us what it takes to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you telling us what it takes to be a team and to win, blah, blah, blah. You see the difference? Yeah. Respe- kids don't, a lot of these kids don't respect. Mm-hmm. But if they don't respect a stranger, they damn sure they respect their parents at home. Yeah. Because I know if that had been me. And yeah. a professional athlete, present or retired, showed up. Right. Yes, sir. No, sir. I, I, hey, how did I do? How did I do, Coach? What can I do better? How can I get better? Right, That's right, my right. thought process, Ocho. Right. Where, when did it? When did it become cool? I don't know when because I miss that generation. Mm-hmm. To be disrespectful, right? I don't care if somebody only a couple of years old. We were. It was always yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. We were never allowed to be disrespectful under no circumstance. Mm -hmm. Now these kids, they don't care. And the parents don't hold them accountable. The parents think
3: it's cute too. This is, again, athletes and major platforms and being put at the forefront of all these conversations. It's intentional. It's intentional. and, And... I want to be careful because I know that many of you are Shannon Sharp groupies and worshipers. And I don't want you just to, oh, Whitlock hates Shannon Sharp. I've celebrated things about Club Shay Shay and Nightcap. It's a fun show. I get why it's successful. I actually enjoy it. The, the chemistry between he and Ocho Cinco, I like it. But they're uninformed. and And this is why, <laughs> you know, Shannon saying, you know, I can do what a journalist does. No, you can't, because you, you don't even understand the, the process of just waiting on information. He, he, he's going off on kids. Two grown men who used to coach with Cam Newton attacked Cam Newton. And, 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 and I'm not saying that there's not kernels of truth in what Shannon Sharp is saying as it relates to kids being disrespectful. But that's a reflection of us. I can't point a finger at kids and and not be pointing a finger at myself and the older generation. Have we discipled them properly? Have we uh, directed them towards genuine leaders and a genuine leadership model? We haven't. Because grown men like Cam Newton and the men that he is fighting with in public. They're feeding off our energy. This is a group of grown men failing young people. And that's really what is going on here. Anything we see about young people that we don't like. Blame us. Blame our generation. I'm not trying to uh, be disrespectful to Shannon Sharp. I'm trying to open Shannon Sharp's eyes, Ocho Cinco's eyes, to a level of transparency and to a level of responsibility that perhaps will inspire them to go a cut deeper. Because when you start talking about, hey, look at this generation of kids And they're not as respectful as the previous generation. And so at some point as men, we have to say, have we shown these kids the respect that will encourage them and lead them to be respectful of others? And I say that I'm not trying to take personal shots. I'm just speaking facts. But when you have three and four baby mamas, you've been disrespectful to kids. Any kids you're having that you don't plan to be in the home an in home parent to, you don't plan on marrying the mama. You've already done the first disrespect. And so when you look at, cause there's truth to what Shannon's is saying about kids. But they're just a reflection of our lack of respect for them. And so what I'm connecting this to is baby mama culture. Cam Newton got two or three different baby mamas, all from out of the strip club. He's put the disrespect in the air. This whole culture, this whole mindset of you can just have kids willy-nilly indiscriminately live someplace else, have two or three homes you're trying to take care of, kids spread out all over Atlanta or or wherever. We've disrespected the kids. No wonder they're disrespectful to us. And so when I saw the video of Cam Newton, and I wanted to wait to see who it was, and, and you know, I think at the end, some one of the kids did jump in and I think I saw a kid throw a punch, but this was ignited by a group of men who don't have respect for each other, who are participating in a culture that, that breeds a lack of respect. I'm just, Cam Newton's whole persona from the, the hey, look at me hat, the whole, he's not carrying himself in a way that says, hey, I'm a coach, I'm a leader, I'm the most responsible person here, I'm the wealthiest person here, I have the most to lose. I'm going to dial back my energy and I'm going to adopt uh, the persona, the attitude, the, the behaviors of a leader. And there is far more required of a leader than just a player. Cam doesn't understand that. Shannon Sharpe and Ocho Cinco don't understand that. I'm trying to be delicate here and and not come off just like I'm trashing these guys, but they don't know what they don't know. And their ego is such because they're superstar athletes and, and God blessed them with so much talent, they don't have to learn the details. They don't have to learn any humility. They, they, don't, have to, they don't have to play their position because that, that's what, the whole thing I'm getting at is everybody's out of position. Dion has elected himself a leader. He's never been a leader. He's been a great performer, not a leader. There's nothing wrong with being a great performer. Michael Jordan, greatest performer ever. I don't think he would make a very good coach or leader. I don't think he was a great leader with the Chicago Bulls. He was a tremendous performer. Phil Jackson coached the team and led the team. Michael performed at the highest level, hats off to him. But a leader? No. And so all this, hey, let's put the most popular, talented guy, let's put him in leadership positions. Instead of, Cam Newton, if he was really about the kids and really understood what he's capable of, go ahead and finance the seven-on-seven team. And then pay a real leader to lead that team. Get your need for attention out of it. Remove yourself from the spotlight. Take the damn hat off. Quit drawing attention to yourself. And hand that leadership job over to someone who actually wants to do it. Uh, We're going to talk with uh, Steve Kim, uh, Coach Jason Brown, and TJ Mo about this and other things, but I wanted to get the Cam Newton thing off my chest first. We'll bring Steve Kim on to talk about it uh, next. And then we'll go to Coach Jason Brown. Uh, before I do any of that, I do gotta tell you guys. After you've tried all the big brand names, you realize what's missing: the personal touch. Small batch spirits are the only way to enjoy the finest libations in the U- United States. Discover premium American-made spirits from Coppercraft Distillery. Coppercraft Distillery's award-winning Black Label Straight Bourbon Whiskey is crafted along Michigan's manufacturing coast, where industrious auto manufacturers, furniture makers, farmers, and entrepreneurs have created quality goods and exported their handiwork across the nation. These craftspeople have given us a rich heritage, proving that craft and time yield incredible results. The same is true for incredible whiskey. Our distillers artfully source and blend the finest ingredients to create premium small batch whiskeys with rich, smooth flavor. Follow the distillery online to discover a new way to enjoy old favorites with a wide selection of tried and true recipes featuring Coppercraft vodka, rum, gin, bourbon, or crack open a Coppercraft canned cocktail for an instant mixed drink to enjoy. Buy online and ship to your door at coppercraftdistillery.com. Use my promo code, FEARLESS. All right, don't go anywhere. Steve Kim
2: next our decisions we want go to heaven with freedom it's my obligation on hate for
3: freedom
2: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it That's where Bank of America can help For your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
1: All
3: right, welcome back. Time for some Korean Co sales. Steve Kim joining us uh, from Los Angeles. Steve, uh, if I told you, if I called you up and said, hey, Steve, there's a former NFL quarterback that was in a fight at a seven on seven camp, who would you guess? Who, who would you guess? Well, who would be the candidates? I'm not
1: gonna lie to you, based on what has transpired in the past and what has been captured by social media, it would be Cam. Okay, oh, Cam. Yeah, of course it would be Cam. But I, I think you're being a little bit harsh on Mr. Newton here. I really do. He's trying to help the community, and this is the way they react. So my, I my, my, look. I really thought about this. I analyzed it, and and I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter. Have you seen that meme of Michael Jordan, where it shows his beautiful face, and it has the caption "F them kids." I think that <laughs> face now has to be re- be replaced by a hat. Yeah, one of those hats of Cam, and it said "them kids." Guys, there's no helping the community. They don't care. They're not respectful. Um, as someone told me, could you imagine Peyton or Eli Manning running a camp like this in suburbia and them getting into a brawl? Look, I I will admit, maybe Cam doesn't do a great job of camping down these situations, maybe being the bigger guy. I don't mean just physically, because we saw what happened yesterday, but being a calming presence. But the, I think it's a little unfair just to place all of this on Cam Newton. Just, just my view.
3: I'm not placing all of it on Cam Newton. I'm just saying no one is surprised Cam Newton got in a fight at the 7-on-7 seven seven deal because he, he's he been headed this path the entire time. Yeah. You know what was impressive, though? and. and and we keep talking about kids. It was two adults who used yeah. to coach with Cam who attacked yeah, right. him. Yeah, that's the
1: thing. I'm like, what is the history? We may need a 30 for 30 on this. I don't know if ESPN does those anymore. That, that, that series has seemed to have died. Here's the thing that's interesting. You know what was impressive, though? I know you're going to disagree. Cam may want to start an MMA camp. His grappling skills and the way he neutralized couple guys. I was like, Cam. Cam, you may want to call Dana White. You may have a sec. You may not be a backup quarterback. You may be able to be, an- and also nothing. Yeah, he lost his head, but he kept his hat. Did you see the way that thing just stood on top of his head? If there's not a better endorsement for his line of headgear, right there. Right there. <laughs> Lose your head.
3: Keep Steve, your hat. Steve, I, I want to try to direct you a tiny bit more serious. Okay. Look. What do you think of my point that I'm telling you? Cam Newton may be the only guy who ever was born who could play nearly every position in the NFL Mm -hmm. at an all-pro level. And he just happened to choose the wrong position, quarterback, because quarterback requires leadership. If Cam had been a defensive end, a wide receiver, a tight end, he'd be in the Hall of Fame, he'd be Gronkowski. He'd be celebrated. He could be the celebrated goofball. He could be George Kittle. He could be any, any of that. But he chose to play a position of leadership, quarterback, and that's why he'll never be in the Hall of Fame. And, that, and, and here he is again choosing the, he's going to be a coach. He's not a coach. No. He's just not. It's like, it's like me trying to be a bikini model. It, it, it's just that's not in the cards for me.
1: There are these fetishes, but anyway, okay. I'm going to be serious, Steve. <laughs> but Jason, to my, good. Original, good. to my original point, I believe Cam should stop doing these camps. And the reason is twofold. Number one, Cam may not have the calming personality or be the a type of authority figure that you need in situations like this. And I'll go back to what I said earlier. The people that he's dealing with may not be raised correctly to a point where they wouldn't even think about getting into it with a a gentleman that's trying to help them putting out his own time and resources. That's the most serious thing I could say is that neither side is equipped to be dealing with each other. It's not worth it. Cam seems to be doing pretty well creating his own media space. He has a certain type of persona which may lead to the situation where it's gasoline to the fire instead of being willing or able to douse it. So I think there needs to be an amicable amicable separation. Uh, Don't do the camps. Don't even deal with these people. And just grow your business.
3: Everybody is going out of their way to be sympathetic to Cam. Let's be clear here with the facts. Let's be clear here with the facts. Cam's group didn't put this camp on. Something called the Wee Ball Foundation or whatever, Nehemiah Mitchell, his group ran that seven-on-seven. Cam's team just participated and played in it. Cam wasn't doing anybody any favor. No one owed Cam anything. In my view, this speculation, maybe I'll be wrong, maybe Cam was out reading Bible verses, I don't know. But Cam... Wasn't he, he was just a participant who the day before on Saturday got into it with the opposing team. He, they lost. They bickered back and forth as Cam and them prone to do. But it, it, we're throwing this pity party like Cam was doing all these kids a favor and they must be deferential to him. Let's take kids out of it. Two adults who used to coach with Cam attacked him. Can't, I'm just t- anytime you have that much money, you get that much attention, you're that blessed. the burden is on you to carry yeah. yourself in a way that doesn't spark this type of incident that's embarrassing for everybody.
1: Jason, I do not disagree with you one bit. And, and with that said then with this new information I've just been given, it's it's time for Cam to just write a check, sponsor a team, So when the Newton Mad Hatters go to a tournament, he just wishes the kids luck but don't actually go. And how lucky is he that on on the opposite sideline was not Aqib Tlaib? Just think about that, right? (laughs) So here's the whole thing. These things obviously get very emotional. And if Cam, as an adult and as an exalted figure, and to whom much is given, much is expected, cannot behave himself in a way that calms down these situations, then I, I will say it, I'll admit it, you shouldn't be there.
3: Let me let me continue to work your funny bone and the audience's funny bone be because my, my bigger argument here that I, I made subtly, but anybody listening could hear it, is like this is Dion Sanders' light. This um. is, Cam is trying to start his own prime prep. Prime prep was a disaster. It yes. was Bishop Sycamore. And somehow Dion has turned that into being the face of college football. And so here's another all-time great player and personality. Like, oh, I'm going to go the Deion route. And, and, and I'm just – Dion. and Cam don't have the personalities to be coaches. And, and, and the whole sports world is overdosing on, hey, man, we got to make all these former players, coaches, all these former NFL-caliber players – the best coaches are guys like Bill Belichick who never peed a drop in any type of serious football. Those are... Now, Jim Harbaugh, because of his dad, I think, yeah, he grew up in the coaching profession because of his dad, is a rare exception. But the motto is for guys that barely played because the guys that barely played had to focus in on the details or, and and they know how to coach to the to the least talented guys on the team. There's only going to be one or two Dion's and Cam Newtons on any particular team. How do you reach all the rest of the locker room? And it's the guys that are hyper focused on details because that's the only way they were able to survive and play at the Division Two, II, Division Three, or mid major level.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of him trying to start prime prep, I don't know. Maybe he'll be the athletic director for Umar Johnson School whenever that opens up. Here's just the thing, though. Um, there is there, there is a theory. Yeah, I went there. So You're going to get 20
3: a, lashes for that, to Steve. I, You're going to get 20 you know, lashes. You
1: know what? As an Asian child that got mediocre grades, I can handle it. I got plenty of those. Now, <laughs> there is a theory, Jason, that we've heard this for years, and it was placed upon, like, Ted Williams and then Jerry West. They were not good coaches because they were so good – And again, I'm not saying Cam was at that level, but in his own mind, he believes, hey, I was elite, that when you are a standout to that degree, and Cam, I think, still had a really good NFL career. He was good enough to lead a team to a Super Bowl, had a magical MVP year in 2015. Maybe he's not cut out to be a coach. Um, The other thing is, you know, I want to make a commentary about the bigger picture. I don't know why more athletes. Because we have enough football teams that are sponsored. We have enough AAU basketball teams. We have enough camps of basketball, football, whatever. I, I would like to see more athletes just start a STEM program or libraries or computer labs. I just, just my view of it. I know I'm Korean. I'm not supposed. I'm supposed to talk about Korean problems. Yeah, but you know what, folks? It's the truth. Doesn't matter who says it. It's the truth. We don't need any more small forwards or running backs. That's all I'm saying. That's it.
3: See, you just struck gold. You, you just struck Boy, a pot of gold because you're 1,000% you're right. But, but let me tell you why they don't do that. Let me just tell you what. There's no attention. Right. If Cam starts a STEM program, he doesn't get to show up in his hat and stand on the sidelines and draw more attention and get all the praise and all the adulation that he's used to. These guys are attention junkies. And so right. you, you move over into the academic world and start financing that, there's no attention for that. And again, that's where I'm going to about with Dion, Cam, and a lot of these guys. They've had so much talent and received so much attention starting at about the age of six or seven. Because guys like Cam and Dion, we knew in fifth grade, I mean, we really started saying in fifth grade, man, Jeff George is going to be the number one pick in the draft. I mean, we we were saying that in fifth grade. And and so a guy gets used to that kind of attention, that kind of conversation, that kind of pampering that goes along with, man, there's a pot of gold here. If we can just develop it for the next uh, eight to ten years, uh, man, this guy's going to make sports riches and be famous it, it it just they're so used to being the center of attention that their instincts don't go that direction it's all like hey man how can i finance more football uh, teams and i can be the coach of those teams no one ever wants to just sit back and play the background and 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 not get the adulation and the because, uh, t- again, I'm looking at people. Everybody is celebrating. Man, Cam's doing them a favor, and they need to respect Cam. That's the entire conversation, and I, I just don't see it that way. We got to respect these kids and invest in them in a way that that serves them all and, and yeah. shows a genuine, selfless love rather than a love that... Also brings us a lot of attention and adulation, and a pot of gold yeah. if you have success with it.
1: Jason, I don't like. I go on these spaces on Twitter, and I know it causes certain people to be very uncomfortable when when people talk about NILs and recruits and transfers. Um, and I, I know people don't like it when I say it, but I said these kids have got to realize they want to transfer and make football their whole lives. They have to understand about. One and a half to 2% actually make it in the National Football League, right? Um, And out of those one or 2%, or maybe three, Jason, here's the reality. By the age of 26 to 28, most of them will never play another down of football, which means that they have to adjust to the next chapter of their lives. How many of these athletes, and I don't want to just pick on Cam, I want to talk to every single one of these quote-unquote mentors, advisors, and former athletes that do these camps. Um, Because if you are going to mentor somebody, it doesn't mean just working on your jump shot or your out route. How many of them actually get to, hey, guys, I know you love sports. We're going to help you get to where you are. But I want you to know one thing. By the age of 26, you're going to have to look for a real job. So you better develop your other skills in life. Because there's a reality towards this. And I, I just think to me, and you're absolutely right, Jason, that if any athlete put together a montage of them working with kids and these kids are doing 360 reverse double pump tomahawk jams, you're right. On Twitter or Instagram, they'd get a million likes. But if any athlete said, look at all my kids working overtime to prep for the SAT with computers and they have the tutors and just scan across, the, they'd probably get 50 likes. That's the reality. Now, that says a lot about us as a culture, as a society, as an American people, of what are our priorities. Because for the most part, unless you're one of these guys that could really last and make football your lifelong living like a Peyton Manning, football is really a part-time job, okay? But it's not really a career per se. That's the reality. That's the truth.
3: Steve gonna. You've made some great points. I'm going to give you one more thought in, 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 in terms of like what would really help young people. And, and what you have with a lot of athletes are, hey, they want to coach or they want to do activism. They want to be the leaders of prison reform. And so the, the, they, yeah. they want to help guys get out of prison. And so th- they're all into because there's a lot of attention, there's a lot of social media traction. Hey, I helped spring someone for prison and, you know, boy, they were wrongly incarcerated and I fixed that. Everything's focused on adults and attention. And, and I'm not b- take a program uh, like Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Uh, a- athletes get involved with that on a real, real yeah. level. Sponsor because Big Brothers Big Sisters. It's not perfect. It doesn't save everybody, but it has an impact. And 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 you know they you know they do well, but they could do better. But I'm just saying, focus some of the attention in a legitimate way on the development of young kids because they are in need and and the developing them far beyond uh, basketball or football. I, I wish I <laughs> I saw a video of Cam working with his team before the, and he was doing some little dance step, and he was leading them in all these chants, and someone had tweeted out, look at Cam doing this coaching, and, and it's like, we done turned coaching into dance moves and chants, and, and you know, coaching used to be about passing on a wisdom that could last someone a lifetime. That used to be part of it, uh, but now it's, you know, who's got the best I didn't even get into the whole seven-on-seven seven culture because I'm going get, to get into Ugh. it with JB here in a second. But, <laughs> but, but, but have, I, have you ever been to these things, Steve? Have you ever been to these seven-on-seven seven deals? Never As soon as you walk on person. the field. Yeah. As soon as you walk on the field, all you hear is the rap music, the gangster rap music playing. And, and we're sitting here wondering why with that background music, oh, I can't believe a fight broke out. I, I can't believe they're playing football while listening to men curse and talk about bitches and hoes and killing each other. And hmm, a fight broke out. What a coincidence. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah,
1: it is the AAU for football. that, that has now infiltrated that fine sport. Uh, but Jason, th- those who want to free criminals uh, early, I have a rule. Okay, if you advocate for someone to be released early from prison after committing a violent crime, uh, they have to live in your neighborhood. In fact, you have to house them because it is easy (laughs) for these gated community revolutionaries to say, free that guy, that guy, that guy. Right. Here's the problem. They're not going back into your neighborhood. You are foisting them on the American public that deserves none of it. Okay, and you're absolutely right about instead of trying to retrieve those who are irredeemable, because we have to be honest about it. A lot of these people, um, as Ock Nation says, shout out to him, there are no solutions. Those people are done. They're ruined. I-, I don't know if they could even reassimilate back into society. I hate to be harsh about it, but that's the way I feel. It's the truth. We have to work backwards in terms of looking towards the future and trying to save the kids and trying to at least— put them on a correct path in life. But if it's all about getting that 45-year-old guy in the middle of a 30-year sentence who murdered a couple of people and letting them out early, I am completely against it. I don't care what people say. Again, I'm talking about violent criminals. I'm not talking about guys with too many parking tickets. I do think there's a difference. But to have you say, hey, we need to have these guys free I'd be like, great, have them be your next door neighbor. It's easy to say that when you're nowhere around these people.
3: Steve, uh, thank you so much. I'm going to get to thank your you. cooking buddy, uh, JB, here. Uh, <laughs> great job. Uh, we'll see you uh, later this week. Uh, my good friend, Sarah Gonzalez, is now hosting the Sarah Gonzalez Unlimited Unfiltered show everyone's favorite spicy Latina, coming to you five nights a week with a no-holds-barred take on the news, politics, and culture. She's also joined by regular guests and newsmakers to help make sense of all the madness. You can watch on Blaze TV, the Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered YouTube channel, or listen wherever you get your podcast. The show looks great, it's vintage Sarah. I also never know where she's going to take a story or what she has to say. Tune in and check it out. It's Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered. All right, don't go anywhere. Uh, JB, Jason Brown, last chance, you. Next.
1: Vince Everett Ellison, previously on Fearless.
2: And I heard King say this he said, 100 years after the Emancipation Proclamation, the Negro is still not free. And I said, that was it. That's the poison pill. Because like I said, that was a lie because I was born free. My freedom is a gift from God. Like John Locke said, it's irrevocable, non-transferable, and unsellable. It's an unable right. And Thomas Jefferson said that these unable rights and unable rights to freedom is the freedom, is, is the right that we use to tell King George, uh-uh, we you are not sovereign over us. God is sovereign over us. Our rights come from God. They do not come from government. And King said, We have we're coming to government to guarantee our unable rights, and that's a lie. These rights come from God.
3: JB joining us from uh, Los Angeles, Uh, the real coach, Jason Brown, uh, from Last Chance U. JB, uh, I think you and I may be on different sides of this Cam Newton deal. Uh, Wanted to hear your take. I know you've been knee-deep in seven-on-seven football, understand the culture and what's going on here. I, 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 I blame both sides. I don't think Cam Newton... Is uh exonerated here or blameless here. Uh, what's your take on what we saw this weekend with Cam Newton? Uh,
0: it's changed a little bit probably since um I posted on Twitter yesterday after it happened. I, I got to talk to uh the actual person who he fought, and uh, mm. that guy right there will be on my show in the morning. Uh, I'll get you his info if you mm. want to get a hold of him as well. He uh. He'll be on my show in the morning. He's a good friend of a good friend of mine who's an uh, offensive coordinator at Louisville. Um, I've known this cat. Uh, his name Stephon Brown. He, he used to run Cam Newton's seven-on-seven. Um, seven. Played at Western Kentucky in your old league. Um, played receiver there. And apparently Cam told this guy and another adult that he is their daddy and put a hand on the guy. And that is what started it, escalated it. So I'm torn. I'm torn, Jason. It goes both ways. I've been around this thing. I call these guys street agents. So tomorrow's uh, discussion with him may get heated. I don't know, because at the end of the day, he's still a street agent um, who is pushing kids to play seven on seven, um, which I think is horrible for the fabric of football. Seven on seven, I think, is destroying football as we know it. And I saw you post something about Cam. I, I read your I read your article. I I kinda lean in your way a little bit for that regard. Uh, I do believe he has not done anything worthy of Exoneration. I, I think he he, he he could be the guilty one in this, but I also can't give these street agents any pass because they are clout chasers and they do know that cell phones exist and they're waiting for the next big social media splash. Um, why not fight Cam Newton? It go. I'm torn, Jason, down the middle. I just know there's a bunch of...
3: How, how- Give me an age range for this Stefan Brown. What, how old do you what, – what age range is he uh, in? Smitty's age, 30. So, 30-year-old guy, used to work with Cam Newton, and we've seen previous videos of Cam. He doesn't hold his tongue at these seven-on-seven deals. Again, he doesn't carry himself like a leader or a coach. He carries himself like a wide receiver – and over-the-top personality and you know that that type of you put that type of energy in the air and eventually you're gonna get that type of energy right back at you that's what happened here in in my view of you know and and not that those guys were right for jumping on him but but you got enough. know anybody with enough street sense knows if if I go into certain environments and I want to talk crazy, there's gonna be people that wanna talk crazy back to me and something may jump off. I mean that's Street Sense one on one.
0: It is. Also though on the flip side, like you and I are both from the street, this is nothing more than a pickup basketball game in the hood, right? This is what seven on seven is. Yes. We talk back and forth. We talk crap. We get going. We escalate. We got homies on both sides. It becomes almost a show, be, uh, you know, outside of the actual game. This is what it is. It's barbershop banter, and I don't know if jumping a man is the uh, – like, to me, it seems like it's going it, to – it's only going to get worse. This We've seen – the, the the what's his name uh talib uh, his brother shoot a guy out of pop Keep yeah. so mm-hmm. we've seen all this so it's escalating it's getting out of control it's because they have no parenting at home number one the kids don't respect their own parents and definitely not going to respect an adult and this guy's 30 okay he's a little younger than cam Cam won a Heisman, he won a national title, and he went to a Super Bowl and an MVP in the NFL. He's a one percenter regardless of what we say about
3: him. Agree? Gotcha. Uh, Yes, but to all those things, I would say so, 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 and any any street dude I know would be like, so, 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 so what?
0: It ain't the street dude. In the NFL now, huh? It ain't the street dude that I'm concerning about are concerned about it's the kids that look up to the street dude who sucker punched cam newton like the kids are the ones that are in this thing that was not
3: kids day. those were two you think you think it was a kid that sucker punched that was a that was another grown no, man from my understanding no 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 no
0: i'm saying the kids that are looking up to the man who sucker punched cam newton the kids this Got was you. a six to twelve year old tournament jason Six to 12 year olds are out here with witnessing a bunch of fools acting like they're grown men when they're really a bunch of immature idiots. And the kids get to see that. It's, we already know they're going home to nobody. So now they got to get, get out of their comfort zone, go out here to a tournament and get to see a bunch of idiots doing idiotic things. And now we have to sit there and go, okay, it's okay to jump a dude, it's okay not to know who our forefathers were in this game, and we see the lack of respect for players that were actually players in this profession over and over and over. It's getting worse. I just believe that we pay no homage to anyone, and that's why they're so easy to transfer now in the in the portal. That's why we – JB, we J-B, all-
3: J- JB, I would say as men – If we want a culture of respect, we have to bend over backwards giving respect as men. We have to model that behavior. And so these kids are feeding off of the behavior of grown men. We've set a bad example. And JB, I'm gonna go all the way there because I can go all the way there with you because you know what I'm talking about. But, but the ultimate disrespect to kids is baby mama culture. All, all, again, all of this, I got three or four different baby mamas spread out all over Atlanta and Dallas and this and that. When, when we talk about why kids don't give respect, they've been disrespected at birth. Daddy ain't there. Or he's at three or four other places. And so they already feel disrespected. And, and Cam Newton's right there with him super wealthy dude, got two or three baby mamas, uh, and, and, and I'm looking at everybody talk, talk about this that is caping up for Cam and pretending like Cam's done nothing wrong. This whole, I'm, I'm going all the way there, I care less. I couldn't care less, you can handle it. Black culture is disrespectful to kids. Period, end of story. And so I'm not shocked that the kids are disrespectful because the entire culture preaches to them that they're worthless, valueless, that unworthy of a father in the home, uh, unworthy of being called anything but (laughs) That's what we do. Uh, We make music about shooting and killing each other, and then we're shocked that we play this music at seven-on-seven camps and violence breaks out? We're disrespecting the kids from Jump. Here's the issue
0: though. These there's a difference between a coach, which the word you use a few times which to me is disrespectful to the actual coach out there. These guys aren't coaches, Jason, they're street agents. We call them street agents. They are exactly what you just described. They're trying to actually go in and 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 hit that when we talk about the mama. These guys only want to hit the baby or the mama of the, of the kid they're trying to coach. They're not trying to coach these kids. They're trying to get at their mama who knows nothing about the profession because this street agent is going to tell their mama that I'm going to get your kid a scholarship at a D1. The mama has not a clue that scholarships are not given out at 7-on-7 seven seven tournaments. And she is ignorant <laughs> and blinded by ignorance. And that is why and who we have leading our future men. It's these mamas that have not a clue how the recruiting process works, why these kids are transferring four and five times in four years, because the mama said, oh, you getting played, son. Go ahead and transfer then because they never went through it themselves. They don't know. So they're just hearing whispering sweet nothings in their ear by these street agents and then what happens to make it worse, Jason, it evens compiled even more. The kid goes from his seven-on-seven coach team, coach, I'm going to say by in quotations. It's actually not. They're trainers who say they're coaches. They tell these quarterbacks, call okay, all right, take a three-step drop and hold the ball for 28 seconds because there's no clock on you. There's no O-line, so the ball won't be batted down. The kid goes to his high school coach who in reality is the guy pushing him to get a scholarship, coaching him the right way, and teaching him basic fundamentals. And that kid says, no, my trainer told me I could take a three-step drop and sit here in the pocket all day long. Now we got what's called cross-coaching. Not only is that trainer trying to downplay the kid's actual coach in high school, now we have a whole big old, uh, you know, whose penis is bigger situation. And that is what we're, we're what's going on right now, and we have a huge cultural issue in high school youth football, high school football, and it's leading to college. There's a reason why we have guys transferring four times in four years.
3: Okay, let, let's let. Who's the head of that snake? Who sits at the top of that pyramid that you're talking about? NFL. His name is Coach Prime Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders turned Prime Prep into being the face of college football. Prime Prep was a disaster. It was Bishop Sycamore corruption, the same thing all over again. Somehow he's parlayed that into being at the top of the coaching food chain in college football. That, that he he has set the standard that Cam and all the street agents are following. And and and, and People get upset with, oh, he's one of the greatest football players of all time. I got it. That doesn't mean he knows anything about coaching. There is a blueprint for coaches that these, the all-time great players don't fit that blueprint. When you've no, been don't. the toast of your, of your neighborhood since five or six years old, that does not prepare you to be a coach. You don't care about the details because... The details don't matter. You have so much talent, and and so it, it's just Dion has is at the everybody has seen like it worked for Dion, and you got a bunch of baby Dion's out here that don't really know anything about coaching, but they got social media feeds and they got groupies who will sell the fact that Dion, dude, last football season when Dion and them put out the video and Dion acted like. Telling, I think the wide receiver's name is Jimmy Horn, your daddy's in jail and you're going to make him proud and blah, blah, blah. your daddy, think about your daddy right now. And they sold this as if this was some great coaching moment. And Dion knew how to pull this great play out of Jimmy, I think his name was Horn or whatever. And like, Y'all think that's coaching? Coaching at the college game goes on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It goes on on Sundays. It goes on at midnight when you're studying film and all this other stuff. Telling some dude some story about his daddy in jail. That's some old ghetto BS that doesn't amount to squat, but we think it's coaching now. And doing a little dance step. I saw Cam leading his team in some little dance step and some chant, and everybody's thinking this is coaching. That's not coaching. It's just not. Is it, so I blame is it Dion. coaching? Or is it culture? <laughs> See,
0: there's a difference. There's culture out there. Like to be a well-rounded coach, you have to understand your environment. A, you have to be a, you know, a chameleon. In my opinion, you have to be able to go into a white neighborhood, a black neighborhood, regardless if you're a white coach or a black coach. You have to be able to do both. Um, so there is moments where you need to tell some sort of ghetto story to get through to a kid who only knows inner city values and being raised by a single mother. I've had to do that forever. Right. But you also have to coach him on the football field and teach a, and create a complete culture, not cater to your son and another kid, Travis Hunter only and put them only on YouTube. It's gotta be a complete overhaul of this culture. I don't see that. And I don't see the overall coach in that, particular discussion you just brought up so again i see the same situation trickle down into what we're seeing with cam newton and the seven on seven debacle you saw it on the sidelines of prime deon sanders colorado team last year when you saw every rapper actor famous person in the first four or five weeks disappear dissipate whatever you want to say were gone by boom when they started losing games This is the same thing you see with Cam Newton and this whole thing. We're only going to talk about him doing what he did. He became famous again, Jason, because he started talking about game managers and Brock Purdy. So now guess what? (laughs) Everyone and their mama is going to try to seek fame and fortune off of this guy's name. So he's going to go do, they're going to try to take a shot at him and film it. So I, I can't wait to have this discussion tomorrow with the actual guy that he fought because that guy obviously has a whole different story on what happened. And hopefully Cam sees it and will reach out. Because I would love to get both sides. But at the end of the day, this guy has a background and a history, right? Crab legs, laptop, whatever. Or it's not crab. That's Jameis Winston. It's it's laptop at Florida. Goes Juco, Blinn College. I recruited him when I was at Compton. I know a little bit about Cam. Then he goes to Auburn. Wins a natty. Heisman. Goes on to the league. Goes what? 15 and one goes to the Super Bowl. Um he had a good run, but then he became a no, he became, you know, neutral again. He became uh, he wasn't Superman anymore, and everyone forgot about him. So guess what? He's making it his name known again by doing a podcast like everyone else. And now these seven-on-seven seven tournaments are what we see every day. They're a joke. It's a, it's absolutely a show and a mockery of the actual sport. These kids aren't gaining any value out of them. Not one.
3: JB, I want to switch up. Uh, Eric B. Enemy is going to be the offensive coordinator (laughs) at UCLA. Uh, It's... Pretty incredible. Here, RG3, everybody's talking about Biennium, and I'm sure he's a victim again. Here's RG3 talking about uh, Eric Biennium. Happy for Eric Biennium becoming the offensive coordinator and associate head coach of UCLA football, as reporter. But how this man can't get a head coaching job in NFL or in college is unbelievable. We did this to Eric Biennium. Eric Biennium is a nice, a high-level position coach in the NFL. Great running backs coach. He fell into, out of opportunity, out of diversity, equity, inclusion, he got to the offensive coordinator title in Kansas City uh, working for Andy Reid. He should have rode that wagon until the wheels fell off. Period. End of story. But the media insisted insisted that he become a head coach, turned it into a racial thing, and now for, for basically forces him, he got to go out to Washington and prove he can coach without Andy Reid. It doesn't go well, clearly. It clearly, uh, Ron Rivera let off smoke signals before the season even started that like, whoa, uh, this guy's got to turn it down. He's turning off the players. This is before the season started. And then, when the season was over, the players in Washington took little subtle pot shots at Eric Biennimi. The story is now out that this guy is not an offensive coordinator and he gets run out of the NFL b- because it's. He, he could have sat there and pretended to be the offensive coordinator until Andy Reid retired. Collected one and a half, two million dollars a year as the pretend offensive coordinator. Great reputation. The media forced this dude into seeking a position he wasn't qualified for. And now, instead of admitting they were wrong, they're just doubling down. It's just racism. It's, it's, it's racism. I, I, I halfway feel sorry for Eric ben at this point.
0: I do, too. Mainstream media set him up for failure. I came on your show over a year ago and told everybody that he doesn't call plays in Kansas City. He never did. I love EB. I grew up with him. Him and Darian Hagan, good friends of mine, legend of Colorado, did a hell of a job recruiting at UCLA already before as a college coach, recruited Mercedes Lewis, uh, Maurice uh, Jones Drew, a uh, lot of guys at Colorado he recruited. So he was a really good, strong go-getting uh, recruiter country, maybe one of the best in the country when he was in college. Uh, his personality was probably time to get out of college back when, you know, before I left college uh, because of who I am. I do not see how this man, besides going home to L.A., where he's from, where we're from, how is this guy who just had the Washington Commanders players crying and moaning over his personality and, uh, and how rough around the edges he is. How is a player in this landscaping college who can enter a portal in a day's notice going to handle this man? I think it's setting him up for failure beyond what we even can imagine right now, because if he gets booted out of college for going at a guy and there's a video on camera of a phone and some guy has a phone in a meeting and shows him abusing some kid that, well, it's not abusive to me, but they're going to say it is. This guy's done forever, Jason. He's going to be done forever. Not only NFL admirations, but college. He won't get a job again. Um, here's what I, I, I want to combat it, though, and give you a you know, devil's advocate deal. Nagy, who's now the current OC for the, for the Chiefs, also had a similar situation as enemy under Andy Reid. He got a head job for the Bears and then he failed miserably. And now Andy Reid brought him back. Um, EB, we can argue all this racism stuff and all this. But the last time I checked, it's not a black or a white thing, in my opinion, in today's cancel culture, soft uh, America. It is a. Real man's coach, whether you're black or white, if we don't, if we want to really look around and call a, a, a square, a square, and a circle, a circle here, a guy named Mike Grable's not coaching, a guy named Bill Belichick's not coaching, Pete Carroll's not coaching, that's three white dudes that I think have a pretty damn good resume, and it has nothing to do with their color. It has to do with their abrasiveness and Quote unquote, inability to get the locker room to buy in. Well, sure, it was sure okay when Pete and Belichick won eight Super Bowls uh, combined. It was sure okay then when Vrabel was the coach's player's coach, they said he was. But guess what? Now he's too rough around the edges. EB falls under that same category, Jason. He's not a capri pants wearing Mike McDaniel that smokes vape pens on the sideline and who, who, who raps with the team on hard knocks. This is a coach's coach, a man's coach. B enemy falls under that category. He will call black or white player out for not doing their job. This is what a coach is supposed to do. EB is not a yes. Man is the other issue. He will say, no, you're wrong. And they don't like that. And these players don't like that. And these, this is the load management era, Jason. This is the jersey swap era. These kids don't want to get coached anymore, and EB falls under that. I wish Ryan Clark and ESPN and all these people would say that because that's the truth. Because I w- I want to know why they haven't mentioned Vrabel, Carroll, and Belichick.
3: Oh, they're too old. Maybe you making no. You're making an excellent point. I mean, an excellent point. And and. I think it's a thousand percent accurate, and I do think bad fit sending this man to college where the players have all of this leverage. It's commonplace for him to jump in the portal. He's hopping on board. Who's the coach? Dewan Foster, who's never coached anybody, Foster, who was a-
0: recruited from Tustin right here in SoCal. Uh, played for the Panthers, yeah. obviously with Cam Newton. Let you know uh, they have a tie. They have a tie. They better have the best running back yeah. uh, backfield in the country, though. <laughs>
3: But again, we're talking about another running back. I'm telling you, running back as a position is not the path to being a head coach. Dan Reeves is the only one former former running back who had any success as an NFL head coach. That's not the position you play. It's center, middle linebacker, quarterback, uh, safety. Those are the positions that Purdue, defensive linemen don't make good head coaches, offensive line, well Andy Reid, I'm not offensive line, but wide receivers and tight ends, don't. the further you are away from the football, the, the, the worse of a coach you tend to be because you only worry about your little area of concern. Anyway, it, it, it's just a bad combination, I think. Foster's getting the job because Chip Kelly left, not because they really wanted him. He's jumped onto the Titanic, and it's probably going to get worse. And and I I mean I I love your point about like his style of coaching has gone out of style, and no one wants to talk about that. That the players, the black players that have a lot of the power, they don't want to be coached by guys like uh, Eric Bieniemy. But it's easier to say no, 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 no. It's the racist owners, the the racist owners that are given you know giving Patrick <laughs> Patrick Mahomes a half billion dollars and Lamar Jackson a half billion dollars. Yeah, they're all Deshaun racist. Watson. They're, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, they're, they're all racist. It, it's such a Russell simple-minded Wilson. conversation. Yeah, Let me such ask a you simple-minded. This, uh, yeah. Jarman,
0: who's the AD at UCLA, a young brother who came from the East Coast, goes over to UCLA, has no idea what LA culture is like, has no clue what it is like in LA. The one thing I would say is where Oregon, where UCLA screwed up by letting uh, Oregon State's jo- Jonathan Smith escape California. He's from Glendora. You let him go to Oregon State, first problem. Then you let him go to Michigan State without hiring him when you knew Chip Kelly was out, second problem. At least you tried to rectify it by hiring a local Southern California guy. Then he goes and gets another local Southern California guy in Eric Bieniemy. Hopefully that helps recruiting. The problem is Deshaun Foster has never been a head coach of anything, anywhere, ever. So now you have a running back coach who AP at the Raiders just hired two weeks ago as the running back coach for the Vegas Raiders after Cliff Kingsbury turned down the OC job. Deshaun's hired as a running back coach. Then he turns AP down and goes back to UCLA. My point is this. This is the player empowerment era. The players told Jarman, we want Deshaun Foster. And that is what happened. They hired a guy who's never led a room, a little less a roster of grown men, coaches and players ever. We hired him because the players loved it. And if you watch the video of them introducing Deshaun Foster as the new head coach of UCLA, the team goes crazy like they won the national title. This is what we are in, though. Player empowerment not only gets you hired, it gets you fired in today's era. College, high school, and NFL. It gets you hired and fired. And it's it's just disgusting when I'm looking at why we have so many soft little boys and why we're not turning them into men like we once did and that's what i i think truly is scaring people from the eric Benemies, the Vrabels, the belichicks in the world
3: thank you jb great job i'll follow with you tomorrow about uh, what you learned from stefan brown that that'll be interesting uh that's yes, some brown some good information there Uh, Hey guys, make sure you're signing up for the Fearless Army Roll Call 2.0. It's brought to you this year by Preborn. It's an all-day event here in Nashville, Tennessee on June 1st uh, that will bring Christian men together to talk about and be inspired and encourage each other to make the kind of sacrifice necessary for growth. We're losing the culture war because men aren't willing to make the kind of sacrifices that created American freedoms, that protected American freedoms, that respected our Constitution. Sacrifice is the key to grow. Sacrifice is the key to protecting the values and the principles and the documents that made this country great. What are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to join us here in Nashville, Tennessee for Roll Call 2.0? You guys, Roll Call 1.0 was amazing. It's going to be even better uh, this year. Go to uh, fearlessarmyrollcall.com. fearlessarmyrollcall.com. All the information is there. Uh, If you're a church leader of any kind, minister or an elder at a church, and you want to bring a group of men for your, from your church to Nashville to fellowship with us, we've got discounted rates available to you. Go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Uh, TJ Moe, text. Uh, let's bring in T.J. Mo. I want to switch up topics. Uh, there was something fascinating happening in the college basketball world. Uh, Kyle Filipowski, I believe, plays for Duke. Uh, might be the only men's college basketball player I can name. He certainly knows Caitlin Clark. Uh, Wake Forest fans stormed the court uh, after uh, upsetting Duke in basketball. There's video of Philip Kowski, there's overhead video of him getting injured allegedly uh, (laughs) during a court storming. Uh, Duke has made a big deal of this. Philip Kowski pretended like you know he suffered some season-ending, career-ending injury. Uh, It reminded me of, of, let's watch the Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark, my favorite athlete right now. Uh, of her flop in uh, <laughs> earlier this college basketball season. Uh, there's Caitlin Clark pretending like she got ran over by someone storming the court. Uh, this reminds me of the exact same thing. Frustrated athlete, they get, ups, they get upset, they lose a game. fans storm the court, they go out of their way to uh, get hit by a fan and play the victim. I love Caitlin Clark. I don't know this Philip uh, Kowski or whatever he is from Duke, I don't know who he is. But this seems similar to me. Uh, here's Jay Billis talking about how we should end court storming uh, on ESPN.
1: And But the truth is nothing's going to change now. We're going to talk about it, it's going to go away, and nothing's going to change. And if they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. Uh, The 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 administrators will tell you that uh, security experts tell them that it's not it's not a good idea to try to stop the court storming, that that could cause more problems than it would solve. But you don't have to stop the court storming one time. All you have to do is once they're on the court, don't let them off, just just say you're all detained and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to. And then court stormings will stop the next day. Um, There's no accountability for this. The fans feel like it's an entitlement and the universities like it. And the truth is, we like it. Now, One last thing on this.
3: Uh, TJ, I was, you know, now that I think about it, I have been involved in a field storming uh, in 2008, when Ball State football completed its 12-0 regular season, I was already on the field, but we beat Western Michigan, and you know maybe 18, 19, 20,000 fans stormed the field at Ball State. Nothing happened. We celebrated. But you have more experience having played football at Mizzou. Uh, I'm sure you've been involved in some field stormings. Your thoughts, is is court storming a big problem that needs to be stopped? No. And I wish everybody would just shut up.
4: It's like we've all we've stolen most of the joy away from fans. Can you leave them something? I mean, the sport isn't remotely what it used to be. It's soft. If you chant the wrong thing, they escort you out of the building. If you say the wrong thing to one of the players, they walk over and get you kicked out like Fan is short for fanatic. These guys fall recruiting all year long. They know more about the team than you do. Can you give them five seconds to be really excited? And then when finally a team breaks through to run on the court and celebrate as a fanatic, I mean, you're paid a lot of money to be there. We've we've stolen all of the joy away from these fans. And I'm telling you, I've been involved in two as a player and one as a fan court uh, uh, field stormings. One of them I was on, we beat Oklahoma at home, and our fans came in, and I stayed right there on our logo, and it soaked it all up. It was the greatest thing ever, and I shook as many hands as I could, and the Oklahoma players ran off the field and avoided the 70,000 people that came onto the field as they tore down the goalposts and cut them up and took them to Harpo's because that's what you do at Mizzou. And two weeks later, we got beat by Texas Tech. And we knew we were about to lose the game. And so guess what? I hightailed it to the locker room and didn't meet a single Texas Tech fan because that's what you do as a player when you know something's coming. I just, I can't figure it out. This guy plays for Duke. Do you know how many times Duke, when they lose, gets the court stormed against them. It's like, this, this can't be the first time this happened to this guy. He was just pouting. It's like, what, why didn't the coach call a timeout? This is a failure on the coach. Timeout, hey guys, there's 12 seconds left. We're down by a few. This could go bad for us. So as soon as we blow the whistle, let's get to the locker room. Don't understand if we don't shake hands.
3: Yeah, I, I think this is, we live in this over-safety era and, and we must eliminate anything that's high risk, anything that has a modicum of risk. And we live in this era where uh, we just go so overboard, worshiping, protecting, venerating the athletes, that we can't even look at this objectively and someone say, this Duke player actually initiated the contact with the fans. And I love Caitlin Clark, but she initiated the contact with the fan when it happened to her. Athletes get frustrated. They don't like losing. And and the next thing you know, they're looking looking at someone to take it out on. And they've been programmed to take it out on the fans. The fans are the bad guys. Mm-hmm. We're the elites. We're the pampered. We're the protected class. The fans are the bad people. And so let's pretend like the fans have created some big problem. It's a programming <laughs> issue rather than like, OK, they're going to storm the court. Let me make sure I get out of here without any issue. And, and anyway, I just and Jay i is totally
4: with you. I, yeah, Jay Billis actually got on television and said, "Let's arrest these people." I'll tell you, that, Jason. Maybe this happened to you. This happened to me. When I was playing, I had it backwards. I thought all of these fans are here because of me, and I was totally wrong. The only reason I was there was because of the fans. And now the media is a bunch of former players that have never properly transformed their idea of this is all for the fans. The fans fund all this. The fans. Uh, the fans. Watch all of it on television so that you get these big TV contracts. You think I'd have all these free – everything I got when I was at Mizzou was free. I didn't pay for anything for four years because of these fans. Give them a minute to be happy. We've stolen all the joy from these people, and the attitude is backwards. The media, once upon a time, used to care about the fans, and today all they care about is the players. The media
3: used to be fans or – you know, used to, literally, it it used to be former fans. And I've watched many people in the media get so caught up in uh, reflecting the player's point of view, many former fans that are in the media have learned to hate the fans. And this is where I've always had a lot of respect and admiration for Bill Simmons. He was a former fan That got into the media, had a lot of success, and he mostly spent most of his career, particularly when he was at ESPN, writing from a fan's perspective and point of view, made a big deal about being a Boston Red Sox fan, a Patriots fan, a Celtics fan. He He liked that identity. And, and so did I because, you know, I, I used to be far more of a fan than I am now because, again, the players and the way sports are run make it a little bit hard. But, but being in the media used to be about representing to some degree the point of view and perspective of the fans, and now it's run by ex-jocks or we've overdosed on ex-jocks and a jock perspective on the sports world, and that's why anytime a jock does something bad, we're inundated with 20 million excuses about why the jock did it. I'm, again, we spent most of the show today, TJ, and I'll let you comment on this, talking about how Cam Newton is a victim here. That, that you know, oh my God, you know, everybody attacked Cam Newton, and he was reading Bible verses, and how how dare they. <laughs> As if Cam has no responsibility for the kind of energy he puts out, his history with fans, and engagement with young people. has nothing to do with this. It's Cam's a victim, and how dare fans or anybody not worship and venerate Cam Newton. He's doing them a favor. He, 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 and literally, Shannon Sharp spent last night and this morning, Cam should shut it down. He should shut down his 7-on-7 seven team. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. You're, you're going to quit and give up on helping young kids over over an incident involving a bunch of adults.
4: Miss me with mm-hmm. that. Yeah, well, I certainly agree with all that. I mean, look that uh, I enjoyed the conversation. I can't remember now if you were having this I think you were maybe having it with Steve. It's like these guys do this, and they get involved in sports because they don't know how to do anything else. Right. It's like Cam Newton's not exactly a brainiac. So what else is he going to to be able to give you any advice about? So he gets in, involved in something he knows something about um, what what I don't understand. And and this is, you know, the Shannon Sharps of the world and you know, Chad Johnson, whoever. Like, why immediately do you, do you jump to this is a, the fan's fault? Because. This is what everybody does who retires from the NFL. And you never hear about any fights from anyone. So if it happens to one person, shouldn't you blame maybe blame that one person? It's like they're, they're a retired NFL player. You don't even have to be a big-name person. There are retired NFL players of all different success levels who just want to give back to kids and help them learn because they got that opportunity. And you never hear about any fights. And we all could assume, hey, this was a to Tlaib's fault because his brother killed somebody. But – when it's, when it's Cam Newton, we all just assume, man, we're, these kids aren't respecting anybody. Well, they're respecting everybody else, so what's the problem?
3: <laughs> yeah, you got to give respect to receive it. And, you know, Cam doesn't fully comprehend what respect looks like and what leadership looks like because he's just had too much talent. And, and people don't understand it. The most talented guys usually are leadership deficient because they can afford to be. Uh, They're detail deficient because they can afford to be. Uh, TJ, uh, I think that's it and that's all. Uh, Appreciate you uh, joining us. We'll see you later this week. Uh, We'll play some tomorrow and we'll see you tomorrow.
2: Like freedom Came like a fighter Striking like a ladder Making all this moves for freedom
4: I want freedom
0: no negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just wanna have
2: freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'll my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all when we all wanna be free
3: We want freedom I just want, I wanna be, I just